five, four, three, two. I always make sure I use the bathroom before I start the podcast, just so I don't have to fucking take a piss during the show, because it can be annoying. There has been some cases where I did that, so I had to, like, put some music on or something in the meantime or some shit like that. It was a long-ass time ago, but, like, ever since then, I've always wanted to take bathroom breaks before the show and make sure I got everything done before that beforehand therefore we can sit here for our hour or however long we are sitting here for and we can talk for without any distractions but anyways guys it's been over a week what's up we're back episode 196 of kicking it with the king my name is Gabriel Hernandez and today is August 13th, 2019, Tuesday, August 13th, 2019, hello everybody, it is good to be back, it is beautiful and sunny, it is cool, it is relaxed, we got a great show planned, a lot of shit, so much to talk about, so much fight stuff, so much that has happened since we have been gone, you can't take a week off from the world of MMA, because I guarantee you, you will miss something special. You will miss something that's going on in the news. That's the best part about these about these podcasts. That's paid a huge contribution to uh my podcast. That's being that that's being the reason why I can sit here every single week and talk about something. It gives us something to talk about. And also we're super deep into the sport already, so as fans, as podcasters, as as fellow fighters, anybody that lets launch their own podcast and talks about similar things can relate to the same thing because every single day we do this, we get the opportunity to uh talk about stuff that we really like to do and stuff like that. So that's the that's one of the best parts about having a podcast is is just the fact that there's never anything that runs out. Like there's never something where you that you can't talk about. Like there's something to talk about every single week. And that's the best part about it. So like I said, let's not waste any more time. We've got a great lineup today. I'm I'm gonna read off a list because I'm not gonna say it at the top of my at the top of my head it's like it's not the sharpest I have a pretty damn good idea of what I was going to talk about it's not like I forgot but I may leave some very marquee important things so on today's episode of kicking it with the king ladies and gentlemen obviously we all know in the world and we're all very excited but it is fight week UFC 241 Cormier versus Miocic 2 plus Nate Diaz returning against Anthony Pettis also, since I've been gone, UFC 240 has passed by. Um, I'd like to offer up a, a couple of thoughts on Frankie Edgar and his recent announcement is moved to 135 pounds, potential matchups. Uh, how does he fit in the title picture yet again? Because I did say that that whole narrative on him still fighting for the title isn't dead to me just yet. And I'll explain why. That's the exciting part. That's the number two thing coming up on today's show. Um... Also, more UFC action has happened since he's been gone. Fuck sakes, I feel like I've been gone for like a month. UFC Uruguay, that's, that's how you pronounce it, Uruguay, Uruguay, huh. UFC Uruguay wrapped Valentina Shevchenko defeats uh, Liz Carmouche in their second meeting, quote-unquote, since we've never seen the first one, and there's no fight film footage everywhere, according to Helwani and the rest of the world, but... We'll talk about what's next for Valentina Shevchenko, some viable challenges, potential f- super fight with Jessica Andrade, if Andrade is successful against Wei Li Zhang in China. That could be something to come up with. Um, that would be something to think about as well, too. So that would be pretty exciting to talk about for Valentina, as well as a uh, little something, little something else that kind of made headlines, too. I mean, a lot of fans... Uh, probably follow this and wanted to hear this as well and like you know tune in to see what truly happened but Colby Covington was on uh, another rival uh radio show series XM very popular Luke Thomas has one uh, has a show uh um I don't know there's a couple of other people I know of like you know, in, in the basketball world, and other people have SiriusXM. So you, if you're familiar with SiriusXM, Misha um, Tate hosts a show on there, too. Um, I think Josh Thompson has a show on there. Um, I'm not, I don't really give a fuck about 
and list want to list everyone who's on Series XM. I don't give a fuck about that. I was just making a quick little statement. But okay, so Kobe Covington goes on the Misha Tate show, basically. And if you guys know me, you know I'm I'm not too much of a fan of Misha's. Uh, not like not. I'm not a fan. That's not like I'm not a fan of her or of her fighting style. Obviously, she's a pioneer in women's mixed martial arts, and she's very very known, and she's one of the best and one of the most talked about and most popular female fighters on the planet. You know, back when Ronda and it was Ronda and Misha back and forth, and that back and forth, back and forth. So obviously, I'm not knocking any of her career accolades or anything like that, but. Um, I was going to talk about what Colby Covington said. So we're going to talk about what Colby said and, you know, my thoughts on it and why I kind of feel like I didn't have a problem with it or anything. Because, like, Misha, let's just quickly talk about it so we don't have to talk about it later in the show. We have more time to talk about more things. But um, I didn't have a problem because Misha does stir the pot. But, however, when I said that originally... I went and actually listened to the audio. I think they have it available on YouTube. And she was legitimately asking some questions. I thought Colby did bring it a little too high. You know, being from reading it from the media standpoint and just reading it off my phone, saying, oh, Colby went on, was banned from recent show uh, interview. I was like, okay, then I want to recent, I just want to click it and hear what he had to say. I was like, oh, fuck. Here Colby goes, going off on Misha. Um, but then again, some of the questions that were asked, you mean like, why did he praise Robbie Lawler when he's talked shit about all the rest of his opponents? I mean, I, I can't think of an answer for that. I mean, he is Colby. I mean, Colby does seem like the type of guy that would trash every single one of his opponents going in. And we've seen him talk a bunch of shit with a lot of the past opponents. And, you know, he said a handful of things about the last few opponents that he has fought. Has it worked with every single one of them? No, not necessarily. But it's not a Colby coming to fight if he's not talking shit. So, right. So he, he, he did that. Um, obviously, it, didn't, it hasn't worked with like, it hasn't, I mean, Damian Maya hardly spoke English. So didn't really, didn't do too much. Rafael Dos Anjos kind of, you know, a little bit back and forth. That one was kind of fun. Um, and then you go over to Robbie Lawler, who doesn't really talk too much shit, doesn't really post too much on social media unless it's for, like, an ad or for a sponsor and stuff. And other than that, he doesn't do any, he doesn't do any like, you know, verbal trash talk. I mean, he'll do the fight interviews and, and stuff. But, you know, Robbie's not too active on social media. So Colby's last couple fights wasn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't really, like, back and forth with him and his opponent so how did we get into talking about Colby oh yeah so and then we're just gonna start to show off with this basically and then we'll get right into UFC 241 I cannot wait we're already seven minutes in and I'm excited I'm fucking excited I just got done listening to Ariel Hawani's show as well and uh well not I'm not finished with it or anything and um I got a lot of other shows too to listen to and I have a lot of shit to catch up on too so um what I was going to say, I'm so fucking high, dude. Uh, what I was going to say was that, uh, you know, Misha tends to stir the pot sometimes. So I felt maybe Colby was getting that sense that they were trying to, you know, go against what he was saying. And they were generally asking some questions, though. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, like, he was just annoyed with what they were saying basically like they felt like they were kind of attacking them in a way so when you kind of feel that way you tend to get a little defensive and for Colby I I can see him feeling this way because simply quite simply the fact that he seems like he's the most hated guy in all of MMA right now so obviously these people question him yet again yet the world's questioning him questioning his fighting style uh talking shit doubting him and he's still coming back and winning fights. That's the thing. So he's been doing that and doing that and doing that. So obviously you think that unless it's like the Helwani show or something like that or someone that he really is tight with, you know, we get these unknowns. Like, yeah, like I said, I said unknowns. And, and the world of Series XM, that you have to pay for it or some shit like that. Series XM is like radio stuff, right? You can't, I don't know if you can sit and download like the fucking episodes or, like as easy as you would a podcast. But like over in the world of Series XM, Colby does an interview, and then, you know, uh, the, the co-host, not Misha Tate, but the other dude, sounds like a fucking robot, um, 
was over there, you know, questioning, oh, like saying, talking about how the ratings are super low and something about money or if I, I don't know if it was money or some shit like that. I don't, I don't pay attention to nonsense. That's the thing. That's why I can't recall every little thing because it's nonsense. So I kind of didn't blame Colby for getting like that on the show. And, you know, Misha did sound kind of emotional. I felt a little bad, but you know, the co-host was a piece of shit too. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't forgive what, uh, uh, I don't for. I'm not forgiving and I'm not going to like feel bad about what I said or what I have to say because I feel like sometimes when people push the push the uh the envelope a little too much people will turn and get snappy so that's what he did he got snappy and you know obviously it was a little uncalled for but you know just just on the on the end of Misha that was a little bit of uncalled for but then after that I thought about it and I was just like yeah nah man don't have to don't have to worry about going to that show anymore. It's not like it's it's not like it was like a real popular show. I mean I, I mean I never even heard of it. That's the thing. I'm not I'm not sitting here talking shit. People are gonna be like, Oh yeah, well what about you? There are probably more viewers than you or something like some stupid like that. I see stupid shit like that all the time. But uh, other than that, no. I mean I'm not mad at him for doing that. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, it's about time. I mean, for for fuck's sakes, Misha Tate was like, I mean, she said things about John Jones and Greg Hardy, and then attacking these famously popular people. No offense, no like disrespect to Greg Hardy and anyone. Like saying, not saying he's like the most accomplished person in the world or anything like that. He's still starting. He's an aspiring athlete. He's a he's a fan favorite solely but surely. His fighting style, you know, is is is, is thunderous power. You know, he puts it all together. He's training at a great team, American top team, and you know the guy's looking to turn himself around. Okay, quickly go from him to John Jones. John Jones, best light heavyweight champion of all time, light heavyweight champion for all for most of his career. And you know Misha Tate was going after these guys, and you know just you know off, obviously offering her thoughts about these individuals and stuff. And you know not a lot of people agree. A lot of people felt like she was attacking them. I mean, it's a retired female mixed martial artist, you know, who's who's known for being, you know, somewhat attractive to the public eye in a lot of ways. And Misha, obviously, she's tied to Ronda Rousey because of their rivalry back back then. I mean, it's like these two hottest women of all t- I mean, not the hottest women of all time, but back then it was the two hottest females going up against each other who had an absolute rivalry. And Misha, you know, she poked the bear. She pissed Ronda off. She just, she was annoying. I mean, since since the Ultimate Fighter, since since I first watched the first rivalry, and then, like, seeing how they both interacted, those two girls didn't like each other. So, I mean, she has that, she has those tendencies to get on people's nerves. And, you know, I don't know, necess- it didn't seem necessarily, like, in this kind of position, that that's what, uh, that's what she was trying to do. But if you guys remember that, the Ultimate Fighter, the second time, you, you you got a glimpse to see how annoying Misha can really be, and obviously Ronda had her her times too, and she was uh, she was uh, the way she was too. But I could see Misha, you know how how annoying she can be. I'm not. I know a lot of people can maybe think that this has nothing to do with with the interview or anything like that but uh i think it just you get a better chance if you are able to visualize things in your head and go back to these moments and look at these scenes or pull up the youtube videos and stuff then you can um kind of almost understand what i mean but i feel like misha did have that kind of like pushing the envelope narrative just like a lot of these media members that's exactly why i won't talk to media members if like you know if if i ever get the opportunity or they ever cover any of my fights and stuff in the future then most likely they will because i'm gonna be delivering highlight reel knockouts by the way and it's gonna be impossible not to want to talk but um so i just there's specific media members i just don't like to talk to because I, I, I i wouldn't care to talk to if the opportunity came about and I've turned down stuff before, and I'm not like you know. It's cool. I don't need it. I don't like. I don't like people. I like to stay out of the, stay out of the limelight when it comes to, uh, media and stupid, stupid attention and stuff. Obviously, if you look at my feed and stuff, I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm like, I'm on there. But when it comes to senseless nonsense, I don't. I don't stand for senseless nonsense or people stirring the pot and stuff like that. So, like I said, uh, I'm not mad at Colby for doing that. It's funny. It was hilarious. Um, let's keep it moving, folks. Um, so, dun, dun, dun. UFC 241's here, motherfuckers. It's fight week. 
the return of Nate Diaz, obviously the rematch Cormier, Miocic 2, very intriguing fight, very interesting fight, uh, it's like a 50-50 kind of in a way, I mean, I'm, I'm all signs to- pointed towards DC in this fight, I'll tell you guys why in a second, later on when we break down, like break it down in like five minutes probably, but um, it's interesting, you know, we got Cormier, Miocic 2, Obviously, Diaz Pettis, as well as a lot of other fun fights. A couple other fun fights. You know, not. It's not like the the most stacked, stack, stack, stack card from stack from top to bottom. Like I was looking at the lineup a little bit earlier, and I was like, it's not the most stacked card, but a lot of people are excited for Diaz Pettis and um, you know Cormier Miocic. Obviously, we're big fans of Daniel Cormier. You can see. Why and see what he's been accomplishing as of late. I mean, his 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 awards that he's been getting. You know, the feature, the uh, what was it? The SB SB award he got, and then the I fuck fucking forgot the name of it. Um, but he just got a he does the breakdowns now on that show that Kobe Bryant does. Um, All access, I think. I don't know what the fuck it's called. What's that show called that DC does? I'm gonna look it up real quick. Uh, I think it's called, no, no, um, oh, detailed, UFC, uh, he does detailed, yeah, he does detailed, um, it's where he breaks down specific fighters and shit. I feel like my this this episode's started off so shitty so far. I just feel so off. Like I haven't been doing the show in hella long or something. Like that's how that's how you know that I was going through some serious shit. Like it was some serious shit, dude. Like that's all I'm gonna say is that, that was some serious shit. And you know, forgive me for not being on point and solid like I have been. But um, like I said, UFC 241 is exciting. Only fights I care to talk about are the top two, DC, Miocic once again, Diaz versus Pettis. Exciting fights. I can't wait. Very exciting. Um, The return of Nate Diaz for a lot of us fans, more notably for me because he's local. I'm from the same exact city that he's from. I've I've grown up. I've obviously been associated. I've grown up here since I was a little kid. 209 represent, basically. That's in my handle if you look at that now. It's a, the 209 are added. I was just going to put G the King MMA, but I just decided to put the 209 just because it kind of makes you feel cool because, you know, Diaz brothers are hardcore. And you know how those guys are. Kind of like want to emulate them and look at them kind of like as role models in a way and kind of kind of uh, pride myself off that kind of, you know, off that kind of style. But, you know, obviously different people and, and stuff like that. But... You know, it's kind of like that style, like, I don't give a fuck attitude, like, I can beat you up, beat, I mean, I, I, I feel that, man, I, I definitely feel that energy, it's like, I know I could be the best, I can, I can beat a lot of these guys, and it's like, you know, I don't fuck with media members, I mean, I, I, I have the same, like, it's the, the vibes, man, it's like, it's, it's a good, it's good vibe, I mean, obviously, they're humble, and they're, they're not humble, but, like, you know, they're respectful when it comes to training and stuff, and they're very dedicated martial artists, so, that's the way I feel like I am, obviously, a little bit of a different personality and stuff, but, you know, I've been able to relate to a lot of the things, and how they are, you know, that toughness, that hardcore coming forward, and, you know, just being, being an overall badass that people know about, and people like to talk about, and that's a, that's a cool thing, I mean, I'm excited, like I said, it's an exciting fight for Nate, um, exciting fight for Anthony Pettis, um, Let's not waste any time. Let's start with Nate versus Anthony. Um, A lot of people look at this fight, definitely. Styles make fights, definitely. And you look at Nate Diaz, right? Nate Diaz comes forward with with relentless pressure, obviously. has great cardio, great conditioning, great boxing, obviously. uh, Great jiu-jitsu. He's known for his submissions and his boxing. His boxing and his his jiu-jitsu are two of his best assets. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of great submission wins. He's beaten a lot of legends. He's beaten a lot of, of uh, real good guys, you know, top top five, uh, top-tier guys in the UFC. Obviously, he has a win over Connor. You know, he's beaten Gray Maynard. Um, 
He's beaten a lot of great guys, man. He's had a lot of uh, a lot of fights, a lot of UFC fights, a lot of big wins, a lot of big, uh, um, you know, matches. You know, obviously, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Diaz Brothers has been a fan favorite since uh, since early days of UFC, and you know they forever have been. You know, they're hardcore guys who just don't give a fuck. They smoke weed. They do triathlons, dude. They're the best. And obviously, they're just like that hardcore mentality, like, I'm going to beat your ass type of mentality. Like, I don't give a fuck. That's how they are, man. They don't give a fuck. They legitimately don't give a fuck. I mean, teach classes on on, on the weekdays and, you know, they do triathlons on the weekends. I don't know if that's not completely accurate, but, you know, they're pretty similar, man. They're both... Uh, Obviously, like I said, Nick has his own gym down here. It's not that far. Uh, it's not that far, actually, from where I currently am at this moment. It's, like, right down the road, actually. So uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, I haven't actually stepped foot in there before. But, uh, like, it's right down the road, too. So that's pretty cool. So it's kind of like a hometown fight, if you think about it. And it's an exciting fight. Because, like, obviously, we haven't seen Nate Diaz in three years. And the last time we've seen him was the Connor fight, the second one. And a lot of people, including myself, thought he won that fight. Obviously, Connor did get the knockdowns um, early on in that fight and stuff. But overall, Nate hurt him, and he weathered the storm. And, he, you know, he he came forward more. He landed more. He had Connor in trouble a lot more. Connor got the knockdowns. He had the uh, leg kicks and stuff. And, you know, obviously, if you look at face-wise after the fight... Connor's face was a lot less damaged than Nate, but then that's not even a narrative. That's not even a factor in this kind of in this conversation. That's the thing. Take all that out because Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz both have um, scar tissue for days because they've been fighting for a minute, man. They've been fighting forever. So scar tissue or not, man, I felt Nate won that second fight. And speaking of of being absolutely boiled and and absolutely disgusted with with uh, fights that I should have thought in the world should have thought it went one person's way, how about that fucking fight with Mike Perry and Vicente Luque? I thought Mike Perry had that three rounds in the bag, man. Only significant shot Luque lands is the little the that knee that busted Perry's nose, and Perry goes for the takedown, gets the takedown. And he still doesn't get the fight. Loser by split decision. What? The one strike he lands, that Luke lands, that's significant is enough to, to warrant him the decision. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? That's bullshit, man. But we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I, mean, may not, I may not even talk about it because that was bullshit. Um, but back to Diaz. Back to Diaz versus Pettis. Obviously, I've seen this narrative two times. I'm not two times, but a few good times. I mean, I've thought about it. You know, styles, styles-wise, obviously, Pettis has that flashiness. You know, those nasty kicks. You know, body kicks, head kicks, spinning kicks, those jump kicks off the freaking fence, and you know, he's the Showtime. He's Anthony Showtime Pettis. He's known for his flashiness. You know, the first fight I ever seen of him was the fight with Benson Henderson. The first one when he jumped off the cage. I mean. Some girl on my Facebook back in the day by the name of Felicia Hernandez. I don't know if she was her name. She probably doesn't listen to this program. It was Felicia Hernandez. But I looked at her name on, on, uh, on, it was on Twitter. She posted a picture of this guy. And I think it was like I knew about Pettis. I had looked up the, I think it was like I looked at the video. I looked at his videos on, a video on YouTube of him doing the Showtime kick against Benson Henderson. So then she posted, happened to post this picture of him on there. And then I was like, oh shit, that's Anthony Pettis. And then ever since then, that's when I really started to know who he was. But, you know, go fast forward, fast forward, fast forward to what I was just, just saying about the Styles fight. You know, it feels stylistically that Pettis has more to offer on the feet. Because if you look at Nate, Nate comes forward with straight boxing. Like he's boxing, he overwhelms you, he shuts you down. I mean, that's crazy, crazy pace, crazy, crazy cardio. And, uh, you know, obviously he wears people down. He has great cardio. Not necessarily was, not necessarily wasn't like, not like a, a hard, hardcore wrestler or like a, like a big, thick, muscular guy, you know. He's uh, obviously a tall, very lengthy, skinny you know, obviously, you know, not known for his physique. He's known for his conditioning and his skill. Obviously, his physique has looked solid in his last two fights. I mean, look at his fights with Connor. 
his first fight with Conor, obviously, but the second fight with Conor, he, he looked a lot more in shape. Um, and, you know, when he was getting into shape for the Poirier fight, he did was notorious for posting uh, pictures of how he was looking, and he did look good in those, in those preparations up until those fights. Unfortunately, the Poirier fight didn't happen, but if you fast forward and you look at the conditioning that Nate's been in and the work that he's been putting in, it has looked good. Now, will that be enough against Anthony Pettis? I think on the feet, Pettis does offer a lot more of creativity on the feet. Obviously, and, you know, you look at the style of Pettis, and, you know, obviously he's Muay Thai, obviously he's Taekwondo, and has excellent striking as well, I mean, he just knocked out Wonderboy, he has like 60 plus fights, never been knocked out his entire career, Anthony Showtime Pettis knocks him out, how crazy is that, man, so, it's interesting, it's very, very interesting. But no, no, Nate's not necessarily known for his, uh, like, no, like, he doesn't have, like, nasty leg kicks or some crazy knockout power, but he does have the pace, cardio, and the conditioning. And, you know, he will knock you out necessarily if, if, if the opportunity comes about. He can wear you down with the pace. And, you know, it's kind of like a Max Holloway thing. Like, if you look at Max, Max isn't known, like I said, I said, I think I said this, like, in the last episode. Max isn't known for his crazy, like, knockout power. Oh, you got to watch out when you fight this guy. He's going to flatline. No, he's, he wears you down with the pace, and he can finish fights that way, just as Nate could. And, you know, Pettis, obviously, uh, has great submissions as well. And Pettis, obviously, has been known to starch people with head kicks and, and, and punch, uh, punches, obviously, too, since you've seen that Wonder Boy fight. You know, Pettis has a lot more power, I feel, in in this kind of uh, matchup. And, you know, his ground game and his wrestling have improved a lot more. And I do think that if he did utilize wrestling against Nate, it would be it, it would be effective. Like, using his, his wrestling, using his top game, his control, staying out of the way, out of, the way of submissions and stuff, because you can get caught with, it, with submissions when it comes to Nate. As well as Pettis can with Nate. So it's kind of even when it comes to the jiu-jitsu. I mean, Pettis catches stuff super quick. Um, Nate, obviously, is quick, too. And has nasty submissions as well, too. So this is like a, a, a crazy fight because he's like, what if you see a jiu-jitsu match between these two guys? Like, just imagine the creativity you will see on the ground. I mean, Nate, you can't sleep on Nate. Say what you want. I mean, I've seen people say he's limited to two styles boxing and jiu-jitsu other than that he has nothing else to offer that's what people said i've heard people say that no that's not that's not uh accurate well obviously that is true i mean if you look at two of his biggest disciplines are and they are i have to agree boxing and jiu-jitsu those are the top two things that he's good at but you got to get there you got to be able to use utilize those tools that showtime pettis has showtime pettis has um he has good kicks, obviously, knees, punches, elbows, everything. Everything that Pettis does is solid. And if you do think about it, Pettis does have more to offer. He does have more tools. And that's why this fight's interesting because if Pettis can't use those tools, then what is he really limited to? Diaz, however, can come forward and he, he can, you know, uh, a lot, uh, put a pace on Anthony that Anthony doesn't get. And obviously, it's a three-rounder. It's a three-round fight. Um... And, you know, obviously, you know, people can have all the skills they want, What is what I'm going to say. And, peop, and like, say I can have all these accolades, I have all these ways to win, but if I don't use those ways to win and if something happens, everything happens, everything changes, man. Once you get hit in the face, it's the pace. I feel that Nate can wear Pettis down. And now I know that my, my breakdowns just seem off too. Like, something's wrong. I shouldn't even release this episode. It's a shitty episode. No. Um... But, you know, the pace, because, I mean, Pettis hasn't, like, his last couple fights, he hasn't necessarily been outpaced, but Max Holloway did put a nasty vintage pace on him, but obviously that was due to the cut, you know, the one, he was cutting down to 145 and, and all that, but I was thinking about when, uh, when you, uh, what is it? 
you know, when he was pe- pressured, when he has constant pressure on him and he's constantly going backwards, he can't utilize all those, all those skills. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's a pr- prime example of fighting. Like when you're not able to use your skills cause you're being pressured too much. You're not, you're not able to land your, you're not able to use your punches. You're not able to be fluid on your feet because someone's taking you down and you're not able to stand up. So that's just, that's one of those things too. So, I mean, we can see that happening, but you know, Pettis, like I said, stylistically, I feel does have a lot more to offer. I love Nate Diaz, but I point it out and I call it as I see it. And I see that Pettis obviously is a lot bigger and stronger. I mean, the fact that he knocked out Wonder Boy. He, he knocked out Wonder Boy. That's crazy. I mean, styles make fights legitimately. I mean, Pettis has nasty leg kicks, and if you look at fights that Nate have Nate has had with like guys like Rafael dos Anjos, for example. That was a good fight, for example, that really showcased a a, a, a hole in, in Nate Diaz's game, obviously. Like I was like the like the leg kicks. Like he just kept going to that leg kick to the point where Nate was limping. He had to keep switching stances and you know then Rafael dos Anjos went for the takedown and beat him up on the floor. Not able to get into the submissions because he had solid submission defense and there was no threat on the ground whatsoever that Nate could do. I hope Nate, Nate doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm just talking about something that truly happened in the fight, so I don't want to damage any any potential ties or anything that I could have with Nate Diaz down the road because I'm going to go in and train in the gym too, so I'm not saying anything bad or anything. But, um, like, you know, obviously you see in that fight, I mean, Pettis is a smart guy, he has a great coach, and obviously he wants to be well prepared, he doesn't want to give Diaz any inches and any opportunities in this fight, so I just feel there's so many different styles, I mean, there's so many different things to talk about for Anthony, and ways for Anthony to win versus Nate, because this, Anthony has shown so much more in his career, I mean, what has Nate done? Nate's come in, obviously, great cardio. Um, you know, he flips people off. He comes forward. He, he he wears people down. He can submit you off his back. He can submit you with, with fancy chokes. I mean, look at the way he's choked out Jim Miller. I mean, he's beating Josh Neer, um, Melvin Goulard, um, Takanori Gomi, and Conor McGregor at the top of the list. Number one uh, submission win on his career, if I'm not mistaken. You know, obviously, we haven't seen Diaz in three years either. And it's going to be interesting to see how Nate can neutralize the offense of Anthony Pettis. Now, I could very well see Nate doing that. Nate comes forward. Nate doesn't give a fuck. Nate's not going to uh, Nate's not gonna uh, be intimidated by anything. But stylistically wise, I do think that Anthony offers a lot more on the offense. However, when it comes to making a bet on the fight and, and betting on these fights, um, it's a hard one because I did talk about it just right now. And, you know, obviously hear, people will hear me point out potential things that could happen in this fight. And it could potentially go all the way right. It could go all the way left. We could all be wrong. Uh, both guys can knock each other out in the first second or some shit, crazy shit like that. We don't know what's going to happen. Interesting fight. But if I had to put money down, I would go with Anthony Pettis. Based off what I just said, I'm not going to go against what I said. Hometown favorite, Nate Diaz, rooting for Nate Diaz. I mean, fuck, it's hard for me to... I mean, betting-wise, I would go to Anthony Pettis, but I'm picking Nate Diaz. That's the thing. I have to make you have to make money. You gotta you gotta take risks, man. You gotta you gotta do things that you are uncomfortable with doing sometimes, and that's what I'm gonna do for this one. Um, now let's get on over to let's move along from that to the main event real quick, and then I'd like to. I feel like it should this should have been on like a bigger fight night because I was like I want there to be so many more potential fights to talk about on this card, but I, they're just not. I mean, there's just a big enough story for the co-main and main event for me to be excited about it. And, you know, some awesome, some fun fights as well down, down, down the line on the, on the list and stuff. We'll look at those if we get the chance. Um, but, uh, DC versus Cormier too. Obviously you've seen the first fight and, you know, Cormier obviously knocked him out in the first round and 
Miocic, if you go on the side of Miocic, did have success in that first round as well. But, you know, Cormier said something interesting on Ariel Hawani's show, saying that a lot of his fights, he's lost the first round because he's, uh, he, you know, he has to gauge the timing and the distance. You know, that's, that's a real thing. He, he obviously, if that's a thing, he, he, he comes back after the first round and beats them afterwards and drags them into deep water. And um, I just feel that DC... He's been undefeated his entire career at heavyweight. There's been nobody to give him a run for his money. All respects to all the guys that he's fought at heavyweight. I just feel like there's there's been no guy at heavyweight to give him a run for his money. Every single one of his heavyweight fights you look at, there was no fight to me personally. Other than the Josh Barnett fight in Strikeforce, there wasn't any other fights that I thought were competitive for DC. I'm not saying that they weren't tough fights. I'm not saying that they weren't hard fights. Obviously, all those guys are respected guys and very tough guys. I mean, a lot of those guys are have a Hall of Fame careers of their on their own right and um, historic careers in their own right, too. And Cormier has wiped the floor with every single one of them. He's undefeated at heavyweight. He has never lost a heavyweight. His only loss in in his career are to John Jones, and if you want to talk about the no contest, blah 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 blah, take it take it all away. No, his only losses are to John Jones, and other than that, he's undefeated at heavyweight, and his only losses are to John Jones, and he's beaten every single other person that he's fought in at 205 pounds. Did you hear the fire just light up in my voice when it comes to talking about Cormier? Because I still I remember reading about him in the. Uh, when he was in the heavyweight Grand Prix, when he got selected to be in the heavyweight Grand Prix, back when there's Alistair over him, um, Brett Rogers, I mean, it was it was a serious heavyweight Grand Prix. I mean, Overeem was the man. I thought these two were going to collide on a collision course. But back to what I was saying, I was reading in the Fighters Only magazine about DC and how he lost his first daughter. I was inspired by this guy since day one. I didn't really like, realize it. Didn't have the mindset at the time. I wasn't necessarily thinking too hard about it. I was deeply in love with MMA and martial arts, and you know, I follow this for the sport for almost 10 years now and been a part of it but you know I read about him in, in that Fighters Only magazine and then after that I should have just started the show off with DC huh that would have started off so much more interesting it would have made the show so much more better but um like I was just like damn this dude has been through everything and this seemed like such a genuine great guy I just felt the energy it's like I felt his spirit off that magazine and ever since then I've been with him ever since then he's been in the UFC he's been wrecking shop his only losses are to John Jones and his second loss has seemed like forever ago I mean this guy is being honored for SB awards he's getting features on him and stories told on him written on him and Ariel Hawani just did a great feature on him I think it's like the I forgot the name of it like the story of Daniel Cormier it's on YouTube I'm I'm pretty sure if you type in his name on YouTube, you can find that. I still got to watch the whole thing. Definitely pulls your heartstrings. If you're, I'm not crying, you're crying kind of person, then that's that's guarantee you will. I definitely almost did tear up hearing his interview with Helwani just because you think about everything that he's been through and you think about his career and you just think about all the moments that you were, you were a huge fan or a supporter and what he's done for you, what he's motivated you to do. And it's a, it's a special thing when you follow an athlete since day one and you recognize and you're with them it essentially feels like your family so it's a deep thing when you have a huge spiritual connection with these people because what I mean by spiritually is like you know oh they lose what happens you'll, you'll be sad you'll be emotional you'll start crying you'll feel for them you'll care about them you'll send them a encouraging tweet showing them telling them that you love them or you care about them you'll be with them no matter what we've all done it as fight fans it's a real thing so it's a special thing, and it's special to see all these great things happening for Cormier. I definitely do feel that he is a you know a Hall of Famer for sure. Already stacked that uh, award up, and that's already it uh, should be an accolade. But he's still fighting. But he just seems like he's had a Hall of Fame career already. So if he were to retire tomorrow, that would be you know I'll retire essentially after this fight. Then that would be something cool too. But. Um, First things first, he's got to take care of a very tough opposition, uh, very tough Stipe Miocic, who's coming back. Um, obviously, the first time we've seen it, well, when we've seen him lose to Stefan Struve back in the day, I still remember that shit, and that seems like forever. I think it was like two, 2012, but um, 
You've seen him lose. It's like a common thing for him. No, no, that sounded so bad. It's not a common thing for him to lose, but it's a common thing for him to lose and then come back and just go on a complete streak. So he lost to Stefan Struve, went on a complete streak, came back, lost to Dos Santos, and then from Dos Santos, he went on to, to come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, and win the heavyweight title. Or, you know, stake his claim for a shot at the heavyweight title. Then he ended up winning the heavyweight title and defending it in a spectacular fashion. And also, in the process, got revenge on the guy who, other second guy who beat him. He's only gotten revenge on one guy who's beaten him. And that's Junior Dos Santos. So, uh, I don't know uh, what else, like, to say about that. But, um, you know, obviously, I don't think he's going to get a rematch with Stefan Struve. But overall... And, uh, here's some, like, some annoying-ass dude with, like, a tractor or some shit in the background. I'm not going to tell you where I'm at because that's creeper status. And I don't want anybody to try to come, like, be weird or something. You'd be surprised, man. I see some weird shit. But, uh, what I was going to say is that, you know, I mean, obviously, Stipe... You know, it sucks to see him lose. It sucks to see him lose because he does seem like a very confident guy. And obviously, uh, he he's uh, obviously very hardworking and very humble. He's a different kind of guy. And that different kind of guy is the guy that allowed him to defend the title more than anyone else has. So he's a different kind of good. He's a different kind of guy. And now he has an opportunity to get that back, to get that glory back. It just doesn't seem natural, though, for Cormier not to be a champion in the UFC. I mean, you've seen the fight happen the first time. What, what's Stipe going to do? I mean, what's Stipe going to do differently? I mean, obviously, like I said, he did do good early on in that first fight. Um, and... You know, it's just hard for me to see it going any other way. Not that I'm not open to thinking about the potential opportunities, potential outcomes. Because you guys know me. I think about all kinds of outcomes for these fights. I preview them. I think about it. I open my mind up to potentially thinking about what could happen in these fucking fights. It's just hard for me. I mean, Stipe's not going to... I mean, I don't think Stipe... I mean, Stipe did have some control in the clinch and stuff. But like I said, Daniel was gauging the distance. And it took him a little bit of time to get comfortable. But then all of a sudden, you see that sequence, like, right before he knocked him out, where he landed that one-two. Joe was like, beautiful one-two. And then he grabs him, clinches him, knocks him out in the clinch. Knocks him out, and then lands a couple more punches on the floor for good measures and stuff. I just feel like Cormier is more decorated. He's more fast. He's more quicker. Here's the analytical part of me. This is the part I was getting excited about. He's just quicker, like I said. Like, his wrestling... I mean, obviously, it was a fun fight first time. Stipe did good. He, he, he had some effectiveness. He did great. But is it going to be enough against Cormier? I don't think so. I think Cormier gets the job done. Not nearly as fast as the first time, but he does get the job done. Calling it here on my own podcast. Cormier gets the job done. KO, round two, baby. That's that's that for that one, man. Can't wait for that fight. Live on pay-per-view. UFC 241 from Anaheim, California. Cormier versus Miocic 2. Pettis versus Diaz. Let's get on quickly over to Valentina with uh, 17 minutes left in this program. Appreciate you guys all for joining us here on this episode of Kicking It With The King. We are available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and all the other major podcast providers, folks. If you want to sign up directly and start your own podcast with the number one podcasting app in the world, I guarantee and suggest you guys visit www.anchor.fm. start. If you want to visit my page directly, visit www.anchor.fm. gmakermmashow. Um, so Valentina defeats... Liz Carmouche by unanimous decision, as I called. I just 
I don't mean, Liz, Liz is as tough as it comes, so, it's like, I mean, I didn't see her, I mean, Valentina could either have finished her, or, you know, cruise to a decision, as I thought she would, so she cruised to a decision, it wasn't one of the most exciting fights, according to fans, I didn't watch the fight, because I'm not a fan of, of stuff like that, I mean, I'm a fan of craft, and not saying she doesn't have craft, I mean, I've seen, like, highlights and stuff, I just wasn't rushing to see it. I'm rushing to think about the next fights. That's the thing. I'm, I'm rushing to think about potential fun fights for her down the line, like a fight with Jessica Andrade. That would be cool. Or a third fight with Amanda Nunes. That would be cool. That would be awesome. I'd like to see that. Um, but like I said, I have a serious crush on Valentina. And she just, her dances, her her, vic, her her victory dances and stuff. Her, and then her, her, her Spanish, she's so fucking sexy, dude. She speaks like three languages, I think. I mean, a lot of my uh, friends and, and people I know can attest to this, but Valentina is just something special, man. I really do enjoy watching her fight. I mean, technically, she's perfect on her feet. I mean, I mean, she's so technically sound. She has beautiful combinations. She has nasty elbows. She has nasty ground and pound. She has very nasty submissions and nasty kicks as well. And, you know, she's her combinations, she puts everything together so well and she's just she's so technically sound and relaxed and calm and respectful and just I love Valentina man so I mean a fight interesting fight would would be to see her versus Amanda I mean especially with two fights that arguably could have went to her and that shows you how damn good Amanda Nunes is but to really solidify we need a clear-cut winner in this third fight so Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko would be a fight that would be very interesting stylistically. I mean, that that's top tier women's MMA right there. So I don't know. And if you want to look at some uh, styles, like some interesting styles, like some uh, clash of real talented martial artists, you want to put them up together in the same cage. I think that Valentina versus Amanda would be the next fight to make. Um, speaking of next fights to make, let's quickly to get to Frankie. Frankie Edgar announces his uh, move to bantamweight. And he wants to return in Madison Square Garden at, um, this year. Before the year's up, he just came off a loss to Max Holloway. They closed the chapter on their potential meeting. Um, so I'm guessing he's closed, closed the chapter of 145 for right now. I don't know if he's going to remain at 135 for the rest of his career. It seems like he is. Potential fight with maybe you know someone that's from the New York area more favorably. Maybe somebody who can get him one step, I mean, one fight in. I don't want to see him fight for the world title right away. So maybe like a Pietro Jan or a Pedro Munoz or a, a Jamie Rivera. I, I like Jamie Rivera, man. I, I talked about this one. This is one of the fights that I put, uh, I, I, I tagged Jamie. I put it on Twitter. I said, this is a fight I want to see. First fight for Frankie at 135 pounds has to be Jamie Rivera. I think that's a no-brainer. Um, it's an interesting fight. I mean, Jimmy, like I said, is defeated legends. He's fought legends. Um, he's like, like I said, I loved his win over Uriah Faber. A lot of people don't think about that fight, but I do. I did, I was a fan. It's because I'm a fan of the lower leg, the lower calf kicks. Those things are brutal. They brutalize you. And he utilized those against Uriah. He shut Uriah out. Like, this is so crazy how Faber still... I mean, Faber did fight Brad Pickett before... Recently fighting, uh, what was it? What is his name? The dude with the mullet? Anybody? Somebody help me out? Um, the dude with the mullet. Uh, Ricky Simone, all right. Ricky Simone. So he fought, he's fought in, uh, Pickett and Simone back to back, I think in his hometown, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, Pickett, far on his way out. No disrespect, but far on his way out in his mixed martial arts career. And, you know, basically should have retired, like, maybe five fights before fighting favor. Ricky Simone, talented young guy, up-and-comer. Definitely bright future, for sure. But he didn't fight a Jamie Rivera, though. That's the thing. Like, if he fought, Jamie Rivera already beat him. That's the thing. I'm, I'm making a case for Jamie Rivera. So I like Frankie Edgar versus Jimmy Rivera. Battle of two new two Jersey dudes. Jersey main main event. That's a main event worthy fight, but I don't know if that's gonna be main eventing Madison Square Garden because I think John Jones is gonna fight at Madison Square Garden. So I don't know what they're gonna do with that one. Um 
whatever they choose to do. I just hope it's I, I hope it's Rivera, man. That's an interesting fight. I mean, that would be a real big fight for Jimmy, considering his his, his recent losing streak. I mean, his last fight I think was Aljamain Sterling, and obviously we see how that fight went. And I think he fought Peter Yan too. So, unfortunately, like he's on well, losing streak, but for Frankie, he's also on a losing not on a, not on a losing streak, but he he lost his last fight with Max and. This is his first fight down at 135 pounds, so it'll be curious, and I'll be curious to see what will come of Frankie at 135 pounds. I mean, if it's not Jimmy Rivera, then I don't know who else it would be. Maybe a Pedro Munoz or something, like I said earlier. I don't know, Aljamain Sterling. Um, I mean, whoever wants it, man. Whoever wants it definitely can uh, can get it. I mean, I feel Frankie still has that championship aspirations, those championship aspirations, excuse me. And, you know, he's it's one of those rare cases where I feel he can still contest and be a part of a championship-level fight. Like, that's the thing. I thought that he should have been fighting at 135 pounds for the longest time. The fact it was, he's fighting people at 155 pounds. Um, a perfect example, um, Captain Eric L. Barasin on Ariel Hawani's show yesterday was talking about um, Pitbull. Pitbull, uh, the fights over in Bellator, he should be at fighting at 135 pounds, what he said, but he's been fighting, he's fighting 145 pounders, knocked out the 155 pound champion, the, the, the top dude in Bellator, the most, the dude with the most fight and most fights, fights and the most recognition for Michael Chandler. He knocked him out at 155 pounds and he should be fighting at 135. So it's kind of interesting, man, to really see that. So is Frankie a part of that similar case? That could be interesting. We could really see something serious come out of Frankie. And that's really what's going to get him in the serious form of hall, the, uh, of a Hall of Famer. Because a lot of us fight fans, you really think about his style, how he is. You know, he doesn't cut to make 145 hardly. As hard, I mean, he, he, he walks around light and... You know, it's an easy weight cut for him, I'm pretty sure, and wouldn't be too bad on him. And he still has a chance to chase Henry Cejudo. And, and you know, you know, if he jumps right into the title fight, I wouldn't be mad at that either. But if there was, if he needs to, one fight in, and then he could fight for the title, man. Henry Cejudo's all about fighting legends. He's beaten legends. He's fought Demetrius Johnson. He's fought Joseph Benavidez. He's fought TJ Dillashaw, beat TJ Dillashaw, beat Demetrius Johnson, beat Marlon Marias. What better way for Frankie to get revenge other than to go and fight Henry Cejudo? See, I'm offering so many different options. That's the thing. My mind is like an encyclopedia. This is like a highway going back and forth and back and forth. I don't know what, what, what's the best option. You, that's the best part about this fight world. We get chances to, bait, to debate this, to talk about things, to think of different things, and to come up with things. That's the exciting part about it. That's the best part about it. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, like I said, Frankie still is one of the best in the world. You know, I do feel that he can be top tier at 135 pounds. Hence, if he loses to these contenders, it'll be a different story. First fight in, if he loses, I don't know what I'll be feeling. But God forbid that happens. Praying that that doesn't happen. You know, it should go the scenario that I predicted. I know of Frankie's career. I've watched him for a long time. I'm very confident in his skills, and I do think he will do good. Uh, one last thing on today's episode. Like I said, I appreciate you guys for joining us here on this episode, on this program. Um, but for John Jones's recent comments on Daniel Cormier. So Daniel Cormier, as you know, one last thing. It's the last thing I promise. His career. He, he, he has gotten title shot. He got a title shot against John Jones. He, he famously lost. He infam infamously lost to a lot of people's eyes. He lost, unfortunately. And then he goes from him getting another chance to fight for a title because John gets in trouble and gets stripped. So the next mess... It's messed up. Don't you just fucking hate when that happens? But the next best guy he called was Cormier. Cormier goes fights Rumble. Beats Rumble. John's still out. He gets in trouble. Cormier defends the title. I mean, and, you know, John, Cormier has his belt all the way up until John comes back and beats him. Gets in trouble again. Cormier gets the belt back. Wins again. Defends the title against Rumble. 
Uh, again, I'm not sure if my timeline of events are 100% accurate, but that sounds pretty damn accurate if I'm not mistaken. And then he goes to fight for the heavyweight title eventually later on after defending it, you know, beating Volkan Ostemir. I mean, beating, you know, he beat prime guys, so he, he obviously did everything he needed to do. So he continued to do that, fights for the heavyweight title, knocks out Stipe. We're in present day 2019. They have a rematch. Let's fucking go. So, I mean, John Jones, obviously, like I said, is the best light heavyweight on the planet. He's undefeated. That one loss is uh, no contest in my eyes. You know, but for him to keep bashing on DC's career, come on, John. DC took a serious advantage banking off what John fucked up on. So DC made his career off John messing up those couple times and those title fights. And unfortunately for, for John... That gave DC an opportunity to really establish a serious legacy to where he gets SP awards and, and features made on him. No, that stuff's not made for John. There's nothing that's seriously popping for John. Greatness for John, obviously, his legacy and his fighting career. John's fighting career is solid. This is going to make a lot of sense. It's going to fire some people up. We got, we're going to fire things up from this last five minutes of this program. But John's fighting career is set. Yes, he beat DC twice. He made him cry. Yeah, he did all this. Yeah, he did every single one of those things that he claims. And everything that John says, you know, you know, John says things with, with you know, obviously with a lot of what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he, he's very detailed with his words, and he says things that sound good. But, you know, career-wise and fight-wise, DC is set, because he's not only an active fighter, active champion, but he does commentating. He has that show on ESPN Plus that he's going to be doing for, for five episodes or more, and he has his awards, and he's he so much more on the table than... John Jones. That's the thing. If you guys, if you guys can get what I'm saying, is that he he does he really just doesn't need him because why would he fight John again? I mean, maybe to get one back. But say John beats him again, come on, man. The DC is set in and out of the octagon because all the opportunities that he has, and I'm proud of. I'm excited. It's exciting. So, I mean, he bass he bassed off of John's. Um, downfalls and he made the best opportunities possible and he jumped at the opportunities and they they paid off very 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 good very very efficiently so that's all I've got to say about that um, and that's it for us I think today ladies and gentlemen it's kind of rusty early on but as time goes by I started to get a little bit better we'll be better for the next episode as well because uh it was just a lot of stuff was going on, man. A lot of serious shit. I didn't know if I was going to still be able to do podcast. It wasn't anything to do with the podcast. I'll tell you guys that, too. It wasn't anything to do with the show. I just didn't know. My mind wasn't right. I had to really, because of that situation. But I just, I'm thankful to be here and thankful to, to do a podcast. I mean, especially for a big fight week like this, man. It's exciting. Return of Diaz and all that. Diaz versus Pettis, Cormier, Miocic. A lot of interesting shit going on, man. So uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram's a little different, at G the King MMA. And on Twitter, at G the King MMA 209. So Facebook.com slash Baby123. Facebook.com slash Gabriel King Hernandez, ladies and gentlemen. As you hear that beautiful stream in the background, is as peaceful as fuck. Um, you can follow podcast page at kwtk pod on instagram as well as twitter at kwtk pod um like i said we have episodes every single week so i try not to be dry and i like try not to uh i don't know that kind of frustrated me earlier making like the episodes like they're all sounding all dry and stuff and horrible especially like the analytical part come on that could have been a lot better but sometimes like uh you're, you're, we're on worst critics, so you could sound amazing in someone's, someone else's eye, but Nikki sounds shitty. That's the thing, but uh, I think he was a pretty damn good, so like I said, congrats to Valentina, congrats to uh, Vicente Luque, congrats to all the winners of last week. Obviously, the judges got that one wrong, but I'm happy for Vicente Luque because he is streaking. 
He's looking good. I didn't think he won that fight. Stylistically, I thought Mike Perry did everything he needed to do. That takedown they had recorded as he didn't even get the takedown. If you look at the stats on UFC.com, um, was fired up about that. That was bullshit. Mike Perry got his nose busted. Oof, horrific injury. But wishing all the best to Perry. Definitely is a star. Definitely earned the fans' respect and definitely will be back. Wishing him the best, um, best of the recovery and everything else. Interesting girlfriend, too. It was very funny. Very charismatic, and there's someone for everyone. So we'll be back next week for sure, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back. Thank you guys for tuning in. I don't know if I said that too low. That's why I said it again. So once again, thank you to all, and thank you to Anchor. I hate how it cuts off in between, but like I said, I was going to say was thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll definitely be back next week. And regardless of everything that's happened and, and my own personal life and stuff, none of that's going to deter any of the great shows and stuff. So like I said, I apologize for being rusty and stuff, and we will definitely be back next week, though, for sure. Thank you guys for tuning in, and see you guys next time.